Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Goodbye baseball, a walk-off winner for Mitch Hanniger. Swing, line, drive, this game is over! Birthday, goodbye baseball, Mitch Hanniger ties it up here in the bottom of the ninth inning. James Paxton has just thrown a no-hitter. The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the Now, line. here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome to Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Great to have you here. We'll get you ready for this weekend. Mariners in Boston. Tough three games in New York as the Mariners swept aside. The M's have now lost four in a row as they look to good series against the Red Sox and then take on Baltimore for four this long East Coast trip continues tonight so we have a lot to get to on this podcast I think you'll enjoy it so talk about the games against New York for a few minutes also coming up John Heyman Shannon Dreher a chance to sit down with him kind of get an overview on what's going on in Major League Baseball we're going to talk some Modesto nuts and some players I know you know Evan White Kyle Lewis Keaton Gologoli, their play-by-play announcer, is going to be here. It gives us some really good insight, not only on those two, but what else is going on with Modesto. They have a ton of all-stars, and so he's going to talk about that. That comes up in a few minutes. And also, yesterday, pretty cool as well, the Romine brothers on the same field for the first time, Andrew Romine talking about that with Rick Riz, which is it's pretty cool. And he tells a great story about his brother, going to the big leagues that you won't want to miss. But, boy, that was a tough three days in New York. The Mariners fall in game one of the series. 7-2 was the final in game one. They bounced back with a nice effort in game two, a game they led late. The Yankees tie it with the long ball. They win it with the long ball. 7-5, to five, they take the series. And then yesterday, James Paxton on the hill, and again, Yankees plans the long ball, although Mitch Hanniger robs one in the first inning. Here, the pitch, swung on, fly ball, deep center field. Hanniger going back to the one he tracked near the wall, leaps up. Has he make the catch? Yes, he does. Mitch Hanniger timing his leap at the top of the wall, taking a home run away from Giancarlo Stanton. Holy smokes. Hanniger getting back to the wall. That was the key. And getting high in the air to pull it back. And there's one away for the Yankees here in the bottom of the first inning. What a catch by Mitch Hanniger. Paxton ended up pitching well in this one. A two-run home run on the first that is a flyout everywhere in the world except for Yankee Stadium. His pitch count was driven high early but ended up with a pretty good outing. Here's the pitch and a swing and a miss at a cutter for strike three. And James Paxton strikes out the side here in the bottom of the fifth inning. Paxton getting stronger and stronger as this ball game goes along. Nine strikeouts for the lefty from Lander, British Columbia. That's it for the Yankees in the fifth. Kyle Seeger with a big two-run bash. The pitch swing and a drive deep to right field. Judge going back, looking up. Goodbye, baseball, and the Mariners are right back in this ball game. Kyle Seeger with a two-run home run to straightaway right field with Cruz aboard, and it's now the Yankees four and the Mariners two. They chip away. They get one more, but as we talked about going into the series, you do not want to be behind the Yankees in the sixth inning. They unleash Robertson, Batances, and Chapman. And that was the ball game. Mariners fall in the finale yesterday. 4-3 to three, the final score. So the Yankees sweep aside the M's. 
Mariners have lost four around now on to Boston, so it doesn't get much easier. A rematch tonight. This should be a fun one. Wade LeBlanc takes the ball. 4-10 first pitch from Fenway. Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, continues to be on fire. Mike Leake, 4-15 first pitch on Saturday against Eduardo Rodriguez. A rematch there. And then Sunday, first pitch, 10-05. Marco Gonzalez against Chris Sale. So this one is not going to be easy, this series against the Boston Red Sox, one of the other best teams in the big leagues. So they'll try and regroup, and they'll try and get a win tonight behind Wade LeBlanc. Now yesterday, despite the tough ball game, pretty cool. Andrew Walrein on the field with his brother. Rick Riz, a chance to sit down with the Mariners' utility man. Andrew Romine for the Mariners, Austin Romine, a catcher for the Yankees, brother against brother. Andrew, what's it like to see uh, your brother across the way in the other dugout? What's it been like for you in the last few years? Well, early on, I can say it was it was exciting to uh, want to beat him, you know, want to want to be better. And um, now I'm kind of I take responsibility for a little bit of what he's doing now, uh, playing against each other growing up and doing everything together in the backyard and. I feel honored to, to see what kind of a ball player and a human that he's become. And um, it's really exciting to see him out there on the field. I kind of feel like I'm part of him um, going through that with him. Your dad, of course, played in the big leagues with the Boston Red Sox from 1985 to 1988s. And I'll fairly watch your dad play. What was life like, baseball like, in the Romine household with two other future major leaguers on the way? We just thought that was life. We thought everybody just got to play baseball all day long <laughs> and go to Major League Baseball games and hang out in clubhouses. We didn't even realize that we were very privileged, um, lucky to have that in our life. And I think, I think we took full advantage of it. You know, we, we liked playing every single day. We liked working out and doing stuff. And my dad and my mom were very good at keeping us level-headed and making sure that we had a good work ethic. So mom and dad, uh, who are they rooting for in this series? That's a good question. I might have to call him. Austin's doing better than me right now, so he might be the number one son for now. Um, that's that's really good. I'll have to ask. If if some if one of us is playing, then I'm sure they'll root for that one. But if we're both in, I don't know. We haven't done it yet. We've never been on the field at the same time, so I don't know who they would root for. I just saw something really special. You were talking to Austin just a little while ago as batting practice started for the Yankees. You had a nice visit with your younger brother. And then you give him a big hug. I go, okay, that's that's what baseball is all about. Baseball is family. Those guys in your clubhouse. This is truly all about family for you, you and Austin. Yeah, without each other, we wouldn't be here. Um, I mean, obviously, we're we're talented. We're we're very athletic family. But what we did to drive each other, to push each other, was was pretty much what got us here. I mean, obviously, my dad's information is what gave us a good foundation and and taught us everything that we know about baseball. But you need that extra push. You, I think everybody needs a little bit of competition that's going to make them better, and we gave that to each other at a young age. What was it like for you when you found out Austin was going to go to the big leagues? I found out before he did. So, yeah, get this story. He's done. The season's over because it's like September, uh, I think September 11th he got called up. So I get a call. I'm in Anaheim. I'm still with the Angels at this time. I get a call. I'm at the field early in the morning, and it's – 
it's ask, it's somebody asking, I think it was like a front office guy or something like that. And they were like, Joe wants to meet you. And I was like, okay, who's Joe? So I get up from my locker. I go into the middle area where both the locker rooms meet behind underneath. And it's Joe Girardi, which I've never met him, don't know him, walked over, said hi. He said, hi, nice to meet you. And he goes, do you know where your brother is? I said, no, I don't. His season's done. You know, he's probably at home. I don't know. The last I talked to him, he was driving back from his minor league season. And he goes, well, can you try and call him or try and contact him because we can't get a hold of him and we need him. And in my, in, yeah, my heart leapt when I heard that because I know that means he's getting called up to the big leagues and he doesn't know yet. So I'm call, I'm okay, okay, you know, I'll go call him, I'll get my phone. So I'm calling and calling and calling and calling and texting and texting and finally he picked up and I guess he was in a mall or something like that, uh, stopped somewhere and they went shopping or whatever and he didn't have reception. Something to the effect of he didn't have reception where he was. And so he finally picks up and I'm like, hey, you need to, you need to answer your calls. You have an important phone call. I didn't want to tell him. I didn't want to be the one to tell him. So I told him, call back, call back the Yankees, call back the Yankees. And so he finally calls him back and probably about an hour or so later, I got a, I got a call from him. This was the day, I think this was the 10th before the, the day before he got called up. So they bring him in, they fly him in, and he ends up playing that next morning. And he didn't have catcher's gear with him. It was being shipped. <laughs> I, had to, I had to get catcher's gear from my parents' house. Extra gear, yeah. It, it was, and so he finally shows up, ends up starting that day game, got in like 11.30 or 12 or something like that, like an hour before the game started. And he ended up playing that game, and I got to watch him take his first at bat in the big leagues from across the, the diamond. And my parents were there and relatives the whole nine. Tell you what, I've got goosebumps from that story. That's awesome. Now, after all these years, you just told me something interesting, Andrew. You guys have never been on the field at the same time together. Is that right? Not in a big league game. We've done, um, we did the fall league together. Uh, on opposite teams. We did the Rising Stars game where we played together on that team um, and high school. But that's that's pretty much it. We've never actually been in a game on the field at the same time in a major league game. I tell you, what a thrill to see you in a big league uniform, your brother, younger brother in a big league uniform after all these years, especially tonight in game one of this three-game series. Hey, it's all about family, especially here at Yankee Stadium for this three-game set. Andrew, thanks a lot for the visit. Appreciate the stories. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Here's Shannon Dreher. With John Heyman. Great to run into John Heyman. You know him definitely from Twitter. You read him online. And I just wanted to check in with you while we've got you here right now. And it's kind of been a different season this year in, in baseball. And you knew the situation coming into the season, an odd off season with the free agents. Teams kind of strategizing a little bit different. Where do you see right now, particularly the American League? Well, right now, I think the issue in the American League is it looks like we have our five playoff teams. It would be a surprise if those five teams did not make the playoffs. I mean, Seattle has really joined the fray. Uh, they are right there uh, with Houston. You've got the Yankees in Boston. You have Cleveland. And uh, it'll be a shock if anybody else makes it. So that's a little unfortunate. I think that's a little surprising. We knew we had the super teams. I think Houston, uh, Boston, Yankees, we felt they were super teams. So. Uh, that's not what we're really aiming for. It's nice to have a super team maybe, but not five or six of them in baseball. Uh, but we thought they'd be a little more competitive. The Angels have certainly have exciting players, and the Otani injury is a very big blow for baseball and probably for the American League too because it's going to be hard for the Angels to catch Seattle. So you've got really five teams, and uh, we kind of have our playoff teams right now, I, I feel. 
We're kind of in that second season where teams have determined what they're going to be. Now it's a matter of going out there and adding. Who are the difference makers that are going to be out there? Well, Manny Machado is out there, and from what I understand, uh, they are going to pull the trigger. That's what they say this time. You never know with the Orioles. They're a little unpredictable with Peter Angelos in charge, but I think his sons right now are kind of taking hold of that team, and they've kind of signaled that they are going to trade him. So, uh, I mean, he is the best uh, player that's going to be traded. Uh, you know, obviously, if the Mets really trade DeGrom and Syndergaard, that would be huge. That would open things up uh, completely, uh, but... Uh, I think what this is going to do, the fact that they're dangling DeGrom and Syndergaard, it's just going to hold up the market. You know, nobody's going to want to trade for a good pitcher when you have the possibility of DeGrom out there, and he's probably one of the best five pitchers in baseball. So uh, it may stall the market, uh, but I think ultimately the best pitchers to be traded probably will be Cole Hamels and Jay Happ because I'm in that camp that thinks that the Mets are not going to be able to pull the trigger on DeGrom or uh, Syndergaard. But those are the best names out there right now. Uh, I mean, you've got possibilities in Texas with Beltre. If he agrees to a trade, uh, he could help a team. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, time because of Machado and the, the potential of a Mets trade with those pitchers. I don't think it's happening. These are some of the biggest names, I think, uh, volume-wise, yeah. I think we've talked about in a long time at this time. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about them. It gives us something to talk about. But like I said, I, I just don't see the Mets doing that. That's a major gamble to trade into Grom. I, I mean, at this point, he is probably the Cy Young winner, if not close second to Scherzer. Uh, you don't see teams trade a Cy Young winner very often in the middle of the season. So I'm, I'm a skeptic on that one. I do think Machado will be traded. Uh, he's the best player traded at the, at the deadline uh, we've seen probably in a while. There have been some, you know, you have to go back years now. Obviously, you're acquainted with Randy Johnson when he was traded. That was a major, major deal. Uh, uh, Carlos Beltran, uh, when he was traded uh, to Houston, I believe it was, right from Kansas City, that was a major trade. CeCe Sabathia went to Milwaukee in 2008, I believe that was. So uh, we've had some big, big players traded. Uh, every few years one comes along, and uh, Machado is that guy this year. Just kind of let people know a little bit about you and baseball. What What is it? I mean, your name's always there. You're always picking up what the moves are. What is it that you enjoy? What's your favorite part of what you do? Uh, well, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of gossip. I like to uh, deal in rumors and talk to people about what might happen. I, I find it exciting. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the way people behave and the moves that are made and how uh, teams improve. And, of course, you... Are covering Jerry Depoto with the Mariners, and mm -hmm. nobody makes as many moves as he makes. So, <laughs> uh, if I was going to cover one team, that would probably be the team to cover. Absolutely, we've seen him do a bunch. He keeps us all busy. Thank you, John. Thank you very much, Shannon. Now it's time to chat with Keaton Gologoli. Well, Keaton, it's been a while. It's great to talk to you. Thanks for coming back again. I hope everything's well. Yeah, you bet. Happy to do it. So let's start with the All Stars. There's a number of them <laughs> for for you guys so far this year. So. Let's start in the bullpen. Wyatt Mills is a guy that kind of grabbed our attention in spring training, a guy that's really new to the system. What have you seen so far for your all-star relievers this year for Modesto? 
Yeah, uh, Wyatt Mills now just a, a 2017 draft pick. He was a, a third round selection. He's from Spokane and uh, grew up a Mariners fan. So you know he gets to the clubhouse every day and and he's following the Mariners day to day like everybody else who's probably listening to this podcast. So it was a special moment for him to get drafted by Seattle. And uh, you know he's an interesting guy and uh, who comes down from the side but has big velocity. You, know, you don't see sidearm relievers with the type of velocity that he has, where he's hitting in the low 90s and touching in the mid. 90s. So he's gotten a lot of swings and misses. And the only reason his ERA is even, you know, whiffing three is because he had one bigger outing. And most of the runs he's given up this year have come in one appearance. And so he's a long, lanky guy, a really big wingspan. And coming out from that that sidearm slot, he's able to uh, really create a lot of deception. And as you mentioned, uh, he got some notoriety in spring training. And, and I've heard that as well, both from manager Mitch Canham and from the farm director, Andy McKay, that you know, everybody was really impre- impressed with him during uh, his opportunity in the big league camp. So he's a guy who here he is only in his first full pro season. And, you know, we can, we can look at all the the ink and and pixels that have been written about the lack of depth in the Mariners uh, minor league system. But, you know, this is another guy who was a college reliever. Who's at the back end of a bullpen here, getting outs in high pressure situations. And if you're getting outs in the California league at this point, you know, those are the types of guys that can make big jumps. If you get some early success uh, at double a, and then the other guy is, is Seth Elledge. He's another 2017 draft pick. He was the fourth round selection and, He's a real simple Texas reliever. He's got a big fastball and a really hard curveball. The way a pitching coach Pete Woodworth described it is a bowling ball fastball and an atomic bomb curveball. And that's it. It's just those two pitches. He's coming at guys. Uh, now with a 108 ERA in 21 appearances and uh, some of the streaks he's on. And I can set, give the disclaimer of no broadcaster jinxes because I've set all of these streaks on the, uh, nice. on the broadcast so far, and he's maintained them. He hasn't given up a run in 17 and two-thirds innings, Oof. which is no, uh, no small feat. Hasn't given up a run since April 19th. And on top of that, in his last nine appearances, the opponents are 0 for 34 against him. So he not only is he not giving up runs, he hasn't given up a hit in 34 consecutive at-bats. And he's a guy who really thrives on that adrenaline in the back end of the bullpen. Uh, he's another guy sitting in the low 90s, touching mid-90s. So he's really been impressive to watch. And again, a fourth-round pick from last year. So very early in his career right now as a professional, and he's getting outs at a great clip. I mean, the numbers are off the charts. 25 innings, nine hits. That's incredible. Yeah, and it's a really simple approach. I mean, there's there's no deception to it. It's just that really heavy fastball, that really big curveball. He mixes it up beautifully, and, I mean, it's just nothing but weak contact. It's really, really been impressive to watch. And, you know, these are the types of guys that, that can move quickly up, up the system. I know everyone interested in Evan White as well. He made a cameo at AAA. Uh, so far, it looks like a solid season for Modesto. What have you seen from Evan White? Yeah, uh, you know, he had an opportunity to go up to AAA uh, as well and get a couple of games up there just this last week when Dan Vogelbach uh, was sent up while Ryan Healy was struggling a little bit. So he had a chance to go up there, get a couple of games in. And, you know, from his perspective, uh, just talking to him the other day, uh, getting ready to write an article on him for our minor league magazine, um, yeah, he feels like he's got a lot left in the tank. He's not really impressed by his own performance so far uh, in the first half, despite being named to the all-star team. Yeah, he's batting 279 
right now. We've got three days left before our All-Star break next week. He's got three home runs. Yeah, he's slugging under 400 a little bit, but he yeah, got off to a little bit of a slow start. Took him over 40 at-bats to get his first extra base hit. Um, took him a month to get his first home run, and it turned into an opposite field home run. So, you know, offensively, he's been steady. Hasn't been any long dips, but he also had a 13-game hitting streak. So here's a guy who has a 13-game hitting streak and is going to the All-Star game, but doesn't feel like he has had a really great offensive half so far. Um, he's a guy who can drive the ball when he's swinging well, and and he's a guy who's really focused on his approach in terms of hunting fastball. That's the way he's, uh, he describes it, hunting fastballs in the zone that he can drive. And so, yeah, he's been building. He says this is all a real learning experience for him. And so, you know, the numbers right now, are, are nice. They're they're strong. They're not going to blow you away. But this is a guy who was playing college baseball last year, and this is a very aggressive assignment. So offensively at the plate, you've seen some of the growth. You see it there, and it's growing. And defensively, he lives up to all of the hype. I mean, this is a guy who's getting a 70 grade on the on the scouting scale that scale that goes up to 80 on his defense at first base. There are very few impact defenders at first base, and Evan White is one of them, and it's been really impressive to watch over there. Yeah, what has it been like to watch him day in and day out? You know, it's funny. We don't talk about the impact very often a first baseman can make defensively, but I assume you're seeing that on a daily basis. It is, and it's it's really, really impressive. I mean, there's a lot of guys that can be average at first base, and that's really all you need. But for, for what Evan's doing at first base right now, the radius of balls he can get to, and he has saved so many infield errors and just keeping his foot on the bag, making picks, he's so solid in that regard. And then the other thing is he's just so sure-handed on everything that's hit to him, making those diving plays to his left and to his right, making those really tough picks on those hard-hit balls. Uh, and the other thing he's really good at is chasing those foul balls down the line. I mean, getting down the line, deep into right field, into foul territory, he's got great range there and his foot footwork around the bag is really really clean you know playing first base defensively is a really nuanced position mm. and again guys can be average there it's not that difficult to get to an average level defensively but it's really difficult to get above average defensively so i mean if you just look at his radius of balls he can get to and the the slickness of his footwork it's really impressive and it's the kind of thing that just grows on you and grows on you and then all of a sudden he has a day off and if you get somebody in there who's only an average first baseman that's when it really sticks out when you could put up put him up against uh, an average first baseman so it's fun and it's a unique thing to really get excited about who are a couple other guys that have stood out to you so far in the first half uh, Luis Liberato is one who's 22 years old. Uh, he's a guy who's not on any prospect lists right now uh, because he's been pretty inconsistent on his way through the minor leagues. Now, he got promoted to Modesto midway through last year from the low-A Clinton Lumber Kings. He was a part of the championship run uh, a year ago, and right now he's hitting 275 through 22 games. Uh, he had a quad injury that delayed the start to his season, but he's already the team leader in uh, home runs with uh, six on the active roster. He's got six doubles, uh, triple. He also just uh, had an 11-game hitting streak snapped in the ball game uh, on the last road trip. And he's a guy with a ton of pop, great speed, and a terrific defender. And we've seen him play in center field and in both of the corner outfields. And he's also got a great arm. Uh, last year, he was among the, the California League leaders in outfield assists, only playing a half season here. Uh, he's doing it again with Modesto in the California League this year. So you know, he's the kind of guy that 
as he gets a little more contact, uh, he's close to a five to a player, probably a four to a player right now, um, just missing out on some of the, that contact ability. Um, but he made an adjustment to his batting stance this year where he brought his hands up a little bit more, and that's actually allowed him to pull the ball more, which was something he was lacking. Last year he had a lot of opposite field power, but we didn't see him pull the ball much. Now this year he's kept that opposite field power. He's starting to pull the ball more now, and it's been really impressive to watch, and he plays with great energy. I mean, he's out there having fun. He's really intense in a positive way, not a demonstrative way. And so he's a guy who could be really, really electric on the field. And he's only 22. So uh, he's been impressive. And then obviously uh, the first round pick, Kyle Lewis, still trying to settle in after that knee injury from 2016. Uh, You and I talked last year uh, about uh, going through the process of getting healed up last season. He had a couple of setbacks, so even last year was kind of a wash. So now we're looking at a guy who was drafted in 2016. Uh, 2016 was a wash. 2017 was a wash. And then it took him a little while to get going because he had a scope of that knee in February. So he got to the team late. But he's been steady. He's going through his ups and downs now. He was a guy who didn't play a lot of high-level travel ball in high school because he was also focused on basketball while he was playing in high school. So, you know, he's still a little bit raw in that regard, but you can see the easy power. He homered off of Robbie Ray uh, on the last road trip when mm-hmm. Ray was making a big league rehab appearance, and it was an opposite field home run to give the team the lead early in the game. So, you know, he's a guy who's got some really easy power. He's a really smart defender in center field, and it doesn't look like he's really fast, but with his long legs and once he gets up up to top speed he can chew up the turf in the outfield and uh, made a ridiculous catch earlier this season robbing an opposing player of a home run when we were in Stockton the A's affiliate and when I talked to him about it after the game uh, he said he actually practiced that in college robbing home runs both reading the ball reading the wall and how to go into the wall not hurting yourself because you want to relax as you hit the wall because you tense up that's when you get hurt so yeah he's a guy who can make the highlight level plays he's a really uh, kind of heady player really focused on the mental side of the game and you know we're going to need to be patient because of the injury and because of the rawness of his skill. But he's a guy who has a really, really high ceiling, and I'm excited to just be able to watch him day in and day out and just let himself grow into his own talents. No, that's exciting. I know Mariners fans love hearing that. I know you have a starter pitching well, too. Great numbers, especially in the context of the league. Yeah, uh, Darren McCacken. Uh, he's another 2017 draft pick uh, with some of the lack of depth in the minor league organization, which – has turned into uh, positives in uh, on the big league club. Uh, we have seen some 2017 picks get an opportunity in the California League, and Darren McCacken is one of the guys who has run with that opportunity. Um, he was a guy who played at Long Beach State University. Uh, he was their their first two time uh, All Star or two time All American since uh, Jared Weaver was there, uh, and he was the uh, Cali or the. Uh, conference pitch of the year there twice so he's coming off a a great collegiate career and now 12 starts into his uh, professional career with the nuts Uh, he's got a 221 era he just gave up his first professional home run in his last Hmm. start and that was after over 80 innings of work he's a guy who sits in the mid to high 80s so he's not gassing it in there and that's a a a trait of all the guys in the starting rotation for our club this year Uh, but he's got great command he's only walked 11 batters he's among the league leaders in uh, his walk rate and he does it with uh, a two-seam fastball that moves six to eight inches the movement on his fastball is absolutely absurd so he misses a ton of bats and he's got great command on top of a 
a really deep knowledge of how to pitch. It's his pitch ability, setting up hitters and, and executing his pitches is where he really stands out. And that's why he's been able to, to carve up the California League this year. He's going to the All-Star game. And as a guy who was only drafted last season, I'll be curious how long they want to keep him down here because he hasn't struggled until his last start. He finally gave up a home run. He got knocked around a little bit. And he gave up a career-high four runs, which tells you <laughs> how great he's been so far that the, the career high in runs he's given up is just four. So it'll be exciting to see the way he bounces back after he gets an opportunity to pitch in the all-star game. And, and one of the things you're always looking for at this level, especially for some of these younger pros, is how are they going to handle their failures? You're kind of always waiting for that first dip, that first slump, those first failures. Can you work through those and, uh, and stay within your approach, make minor adjustments without a major overhaul, and get back to those successes and then continue to repeat that? And so that's, that's part of the fun of watching these guys. And, and Darren McCacken's going to be really interesting the prospect to watch because he does doesn't have the big velocity, but he's got great command and great pitch ability. And it's a little different than what we're watching in the big league game right now. Okay, and that's great stuff. Uh, sorry I kept you longer than I intended, but thanks so much for the update and the time, and we'll catch up again soon. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, you bet. Anytime, Gary.